You have just entered the Liberty Lighthouse, where we cut through the fog of politics with common sense and logic. Coming to you from Pennsylvania, the state of independence. Here he is, author of the book, Progress, Really? U.S. Navy veteran and your host, Peter Serafine. Welcome to the Liberty Lighthouse for Friday, March 27th, 2020. Last week, we talked about bias in the mainstream media, how bad it's gotten. This week, we're going to talk a little bit about why. I've got a couple ideas of contributing factors of how this bias came to be. And in the second segment, got a guest that's going to talk about one possible solution. So why don't we just launch the show? Welcome to the Liberty Lighthouse. With your Liberty Lighthouse keeper. Your beacon of common sense. Your wiki, if you will. Peter Seraphine. We urge you to join the conversation by calling 64-MY-RIGHTS. That's 646-974-4487. And sign up to be a member at liberty-lighthouse.com. That's right. Like the man said, please call 64 My Rights with your questions, comments, and concerns for the Liberty Lighthouse. And if you prefer, you can also text that same number, 64 My Rights. Okay, so last week we talked a lot about media bias. I've got one just funny example that I have to show or have to share. The headline is Arizona Man Dies After Attempting to Take Trump coronavirus cure. Now, that headline sounds like Trump did something wrong and this man died because he took Trump's medical advice. Well, if you go on to actually read the article, the man took aquarium cleaner because one of the ingredients was the chloroquine that Trump said was having promising results in treating the coronavirus. That's just some funny stuff because technically, the, well, the headline's accurate. The man took chloroquine. God knows what else he took in that stuff, but one of them was chloroquine. However, the headline was obviously designed just to disparage Trump. The headline could have been just as factual if it said, idiot takes aquarium cleaner to kill coronavirus. So the point of today's show is, how did we get this way? How did the media become so blatantly biased? I have three contributing factors. I said earlier I had two, but I really think it's three. So first, I think, is the fact that we now have news media available to us 24 hours a day. I blame CNN for this one. CNN came around and covered news 24 hours a day. That's what their station does. 24 hours a day, news, 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 news. Before CNN, you had the morning news and you had the evening news. And when something horrible happened, you had breaking news. But that was it. You did not have news 24 hours a day. So... If you're going to cover the news 24 hours a day, well, you run out of stuff to cover. So you got to start making crap up or covering really insignificant stuff. But nobody cares about really insignificant stuff. So you have to sensationalize it so that people pay attention and go, ah, I'm scared. Ah. 
So that's basically what I think is contributing factor number one. Why do we need to have news 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year? Now, contributing factor number two is going to sound a little conspiracy theorist, and I hope that it's not really a conspiracy, because if it is, it's quite evil and maniacal and long-term conspiracy. So, contributing factor number two. Uh, The guests last week both admitted that the colleges and universities that they went to, the journalism schools are all liberal, and they're all pushing their own agendas, and the students coming out of those schools have their own agendas. They show up to work, and they want to cover the things that fit into their own agendas. Now comes the conspiracy theory part. If you really wanted to control, I don't know, 327 million people, wouldn't you start by controlling the education and then the media? Could it be a conspiracy? Could it be that the progressive movement has somehow organized and understood that controlling the education and the media controls what a large majority of people think? I really don't want to give that much credit to the progressive movement. I don't want to think about the idea that they have been organized enough to start this maniacal takeover of everyone's minds, you know, decades ago by first taking over the the uh, education system and then waiting for those people to graduate with their journalism degrees and then go into the journalism industry and push their progressive agenda. I really hope that that's not the case, that this is not a deliberate thing that's been going on for literally decades. Okay, so contributing factor number three, in my humble personal opinion, is the fairness doctrine. Now, I am not going to say that I think the Fairness Doctrine should come back. I'm not an advocate of the Fairness Doctrine. However, in the second segment, I'm going to have a little debate with a gentleman about the Fairness Doctrine. Not really a debate, a discussion, but you'll get, you'll hear it in the second segment. So let me tell you what the Fairness Doctrine was. Way back in 1949, when there really was only radio and broadcast television, the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, regulated what went on those broadcast airways, be it radio or television. And they had a couple of rules. And in the fairness doctrine, they had to cover uh, controversial issues, and they had to cover both sides of controversial issues. Now, my problem with the fairness doctrine was the free speech aspect of it. I don't necessarily think that you should be forced to cover the opposite side of an argument, but maybe you should be if you're a news outlet. If you claim to produce news television or news radio, maybe you should be covered by some type of a fairness doctrine. Maybe you should only put forth facts and not opinions. But the fairness doctrine as it existed did not make that distinction. It had to do with the license itself, not the programming. Now, the fairness doctrine made a lot of talk radio stations turn to music because they just couldn't deal with the complaints and the threats of complaints. And the fairness doctrine 
got a lot of nut jobs there 30 seconds of fame getting on the air spouting really really crazy stuff so in the mid-1980s president reagan suspended the fairness doctrine and it hasn't been reinforced since in like 2011 it was actually removed from the rolls meaning it's not even there as a law that they can dust off and put back on if they want to do it now they've got to write a new law we're about to take a break, and when we come back from that break, we're going to have Kid Curry, or Kim Curry, actually his name. Kid Curry was his DJ name a long time ago. Kim Curry wrote a book, The Death of Fairness, and it's about the fairness doctrine. So I gave him a call, and we talked. So you get to listen to that conversation as soon as we come back from this first break in about a minute. Hope you stick around. It was really a fun chat. You're listening to the Liberty Lighthouse. Join the conversation now. Just call 64-MY-RIGHTS. That's 646-974-4487. Are you fed up with progressive society? I'm Peter Serafine, and my frustration led me to write a short book titled Progress. Really? Progress, really, is about the past, current, and future state of American culture, government, and social standing. I urge every liberty-loving American to visit my website, Seraphine.com and order a copy. Give progress really a quick read and some serious thought. That was Seraphine.com. S-E-R-E-F-I-N-E.com. Order your copy today. Let me tell you why I chose Anchor to host my podcast. First, it's free. It's one of the few hosts I found that really is free. They have all the tools that you need. You can make your podcast on a computer or you can download their free app and make edits and uploads straight from your phone. So, if you're interested in starting your own podcast, I say download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. You're listening to the Liberty Lighthouse Podcast. Now we have Kim Curry with us. Kim Curry, 33-year veteran of radio broadcasting and producer for many of those years, and now the author of the new book, The Death of Fairness, which just came out uh, last month. As a matter of fact, yes, we do kid. Welcome to the show, Kim. Or would you prefer <laughs> the kid? Uh, <laughs> you know what? Uh, that's a funny story. After all those years of having MS, I almost I tried to kill Kid Curry because I didn't believe he was there anymore. It wasn't in my soul, but I couldn't because America wouldn't let me. <laughs> no, you're kid too. So, okay, okay, okay. Well, I so saw one, that. I saw that uh, in your bio someplace, and I I debated whether I should introduce you as Kim the Kid Curry or just <laughs> Kim Curry. Or anyway, welcome to the Liberty Lighthouse. Thank you, Peter. Pleasure to be here. Now, before we really get into the uh, crux of your book, I want to just talk about the fairness doctrine as a whole. And because I don't think anybody outside of the broadcast world is really familiar with what it was. So it was started in 1949. Yes. And it, the idea was, well, back in 1949, a lot of towns only had one radio station or, or one television broadcast station. There was no cable or satellite or anything like that. So the fairness doctrine, uh, required anybody with an FCC license to, not only cover controversial issues, but also required that they provide 
contrasting views on those controversial issues. People with responsible knowledge to come on and, and debate those 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 supposed facts in the first conversation. That if you get to say what you get to say, I get to say what I believe you are reporting is incorrect. Okay. Now, what happened was in uh, 1987, President Reagan rescinded the fairness doctrine, or suspended, I guess would be more accurate word, because it remained on the books as a law until 2011, where now it's completely gone from the from the rolls, and if they wanted to put something back in, they'd have to write a new one. They'd have to, yes, absolutely. But in 87, it was, you know, for all intents and purposes, it, it wasn't there anymore. No, it, it was uh, Okay. Now you have been in broadcasting long enough that you actually worked both before and after the the uh, suspension of the fairness doctrine. So you're in a, a unique position to tell us what it was like before and after. Well, I think you know it's fairly simple to me. You know, when when the fairness doctrine was put there, it was put there for the rights of the American citizens, the life the Broadcast airwaves in America from the very beginning were to be ruled by the by the public. They were given they were public airwaves. That's the way it was ruled in the very beginning. And for those many years, uh, you had one. What was that show we used to watch? Chain uh, You Ignorant Blood, and it was called Point Counterpoint. And so at least you always had two sides of the story. But then in 1986, 87, when Reagan rescinded, what you did was effectively take out the second part of the story, giving people to go on and have the right to say the president's in Kenya, the president's in Kenya, without some authority coming up behind and saying, well, not really, because he's the proof. But I believe that, you know, if you look back in the history, the reason that Reagan rescinded the document, uh, he said it was antagonistic to the rights granted to uh, the right of free speech to the First Amendment. That's what he told America. But in the background, corporations were beating him up, telling him it was taking him too much money and too much time to support the fairness doctrine. Because when somebody would get off the radio, uh, they would go, uh, somebody else would go to the boss and say, here's how this guy lies, and here's the questions we have about the things he said. And then that program director would find people in his office to go uh, research and find people with contrasting points of view. And that takes time and money. And what happened was the corporations were beating up on Reagan saying, this fairness doctrine is costing us money and time, and because he had a, a favorable FCC at the time, I think the corporations won out, and I don't think we ought to go back to the days when the airways were the public airways, and not the controlled by um, people who don't believe in fairness. Well, I mean, it's obvious that there are a lot of people out there that agree with you, because I I could be wrong, uh, I, I stopped checking, but... Congress has has reconsidered some version of a fairness doctrine, like almost every year, and that's that's the part I stopped checking on. Once I got to like ten years in a row, I stopped looking. Uh, like almost every year since 2005 or something like that. So there's a lot of people that think the fairness doctrine should return. Peter, what I found because you know I'm my whole life was based around researching people 18 to 34 years old because I ran top 40 radio stations. Uh, I, I, and you, as you can imagine, with that frame of 18 to 34, people come and go from that format. They grow up, they go through the format, they go to different formats. So, it, the top 40 radio is a very current music thing, and I, 
I've always been an 18 to 34 year old man. I, I, I believe that the young people should be running America as opposed to the old people. And that they were just smart enough to get off their bus. But I, I take, I, I take my book out and I give it out to millennials, 18 to 34, 18 to 40, and I give it away for free. And, and fortunately I'm in I'm a pretty nice guy and I'm in a wheelchair and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hard to turn away. So I make a lot of friends and, these people that I that read this book come back to me and they say, I did not know this happened. And I believe there's enough people out there in America who who missed this and now look at the fairness doctrine and go, hey, what happened? How could this have happened? And again, I, I don't care what Rush Limbaugh talks about. I don't care what these Hannity out. They can throw out whatever they want. I don't care. Just get it off American broadcast airways. Give it, get, get the airwaves back to the citizens. Is all I'm asking. All right. Well, and conservative talk radio was was probably a big part of the push, and I've over the last several years since I started really listening to what's going on in the political world, um, a lot of the conservative hosts that have been around for that long say that you know, like their shows were turned to just music because it was it was too much of a hassle to deal with everybody calling in and threatening a, a, a fairness doctrine complaint to the FCC if they didn't get their time. And sometimes it wasn't, you know, knowledgeable, reputable people calling in to make those complaints. Sometimes it was nut jobs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But there's jobs on both sides. I sometimes oh. consider the people on conservative talk radio nut jobs. Yeah, some of them are. probably think we're nut jobs. So. And some of us are, too. You know, I just think it would be nice, Peter. You know, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I mean, I, I understand. Someday, when the 18 to 40 year old population wakes up and realizes that America suffers because of what their parents and grandparents have handed them, and they realize, hopefully through my book and hopefully through the conversations I have with young people, that they've got to get up and take this country over from their parents. We need to work to the future, not to the past. And, and, and if, if those young people will ever decide, get up and go, I think you'll have a very progressive, sensible America, combining the education of the seniors and the elders with the young people, with the young people in charge. Because the way it's gone, the division in America right now, all the things that go wrong, the economy, the way it flows, is all handed to us by our parents and grandparents. And I, you know, want younger people to realize they need to take us over and save us. But would the fairness doctrine, as it existed, really have any effect today? I mean, as as you're aware, you know, last week I spent an hour and a half talking about the bias in media, bias on both sides. I mean, Fox is oh, biased yeah. to one side, and everybody else seems to be biased to the other side. Would the fairness doctrine really have an effect on that when you've got seven hundred thousand? Uh, active podcasts out there, and you've got internet radio stations that would not be covered by a fairness doctrine. Most cable channels would not be covered by a, fa- a fairness doctrine. Satellite, like there's so many different things that are yeah. not broadcast. Yeah. Would, would but, it but, even have but, an effect today? It would on American broadcast airwaves. You would have an alternative. Like, like there are alternatives for all the stuff you want out there. What there isn't an alternative for is a place where you can go to be protected by the fairness box. So you guys go off on your cable, your internet, do whatever you want. But if there's a transmitter in America broadcasting broadcast airwaves 
I mean, broadcasting TV or radio, then they, if they're covered by the fairness doctrine, you have that option to listen to. Right now, that option is not available. Right. And even the ones and, that and claim to be biased or claim to be unbiased aren't. Like, you can see the bias if you pay attention. Sure. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, uh, part of this education of young America, grow up. Figure out you've got the research life and all the crap you've been seeing. You need to be able to figure out how to get through that and research it. So, you're right. You know, absolutely. But I believe it's, it's incumbent of the young people to see what's happened and why they get to, they need to get motivated to understand what's happened, understand what needs to be fixed, get up, get off their tails, vote, and start to control America. So you're right. It, it wouldn't have an effect on anything else except the American broadcast airwaves, which we don't have that option now. And that's the way it was set up in the first place. What I would like to see, and I have no idea if the FCC or anybody else for that matter would have the uh, authority to do it, is I would like to see anybody who claims to be a news source, where whether it be on the Internet, in print, on um, uh, broadcast or cable or satellite, or no matter where it comes from, anybody who, who claims to be news to be covered by some type of, of fairness standard. Um, I don't want to regulate speech by any means. But if you're claiming to be putting news forth, the news is facts. I don't want to see a show that gives me 30 seconds of facts and three minutes of commentary. If I want commentary, I'll come to shows like mine here at the Liberty Lighthouse. This is my show. I don't broadcast over the public airways. I can say whatever I want. Absolutely. And I'm with that 100%. You know, there should be there should be rules, but there aren't. That means we have to, as we go with the you know, I, I've often been frustrated the fact that the education that I got when I was young is not the education that they give to my kids. I mean, no my, I, 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 I learned how, I went to shop class, I went to home economics, I did all the things, I went to my math class, it was all about how to write checks and how to balance books. Uh, you don't get that now. No, uh, no, nope, nobody knows how to write checks anymore. No, well, okay, you're right. But, but there's an education there that we don't give our kids. And because of the way society has moved since I was a child, there's an underlying thing that they don't want the kids educated. And they take education away and they try to finagle the education system. And I, I just believe that hopefully someday, uh, the young youth of America will be turned on and realize it's their car. They need to write. So they need to drive. That's all there is to it. Well, that would be fabulous. Uh, once they <laughs> for you and once, me. <laughs> yeah. Once they wake up and grow up enough. Um, <laughs> there, right now, there's just too many young people that are that are being bought by the promises of free stuff. We need we need a, a bigger movement. That actually wants to lead, and they're—I mean—they do exist. Don't get me wrong. There, there are organizations out there that are trying to create uh, young professionals, but it seems they seem drastically outnumbered. Well, I think I may be—you know—you say something, and I hear it all the time, and it's part of what I believe is the hyperbole of the of, what of my side to say it. No, no, no. It's on both sides. They're stuck in both sides. 
Um, but when you say that they just want free stuff, the people that I give my books to are all the, the hairdressers. She started off a year ago with one chair. She's got four now, working her ass off. The little lady from the Ukraine who gives me my smoothie is is 18 years old. Has been here for 10 years. Educated, going to college. I don't. I hear that they want free stuff. Yeah, okay. I don't see that that often, and I speak to the 18 to 34 year old audience and have since I was 17 years old on the radio. I understand that 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 phrase gets thrown out. It's crap. Well, what I don't it, believe what, that. To clarify what I said is, or at least what I meant to say, I'd have to yes, you know, go back and check to see if it's actually Definitely. what I said. Uh, yes. But what I meant to say was that their their votes are being bought by the promises of free stuff. They might, you know, I, I don't think that they all have a handout, but I do think that they're being, I don't know, I, I really don't know what word to use there, other than yeah. their votes being bought. I think they, they look at the, the guy, you know, the candidate, whoever's got the, the, uh, the biggest promises of, of free stuff packaged in a way that they, that sounds like fairness to everyone. That's what I think is, is, uh, having a huge influence on the political ideology of our young people, not necessarily well, the day-to-day act- activities of the young people, just the, how, you know, how they vote. Well, these people that I'm talking to, they're going to vote, and I didn't talk to anything about free stuff. They're going to vote because they realize the severity of where they sit because they read my book. That's education. And let's get kids educated again so that they realize What's going on? We have a whole new paradigm shift in America right now, right today. This may all change. Everything could change from here on out. Oh, young absolutely. People realize, young people may realize that this all happened because a bunch of old people just didn't know how to pay attention and don't believe in things that are fact. And it could very well be. We have a major paradigm change in America after all this shakes out in the next, hopefully, 8 to 14 weeks. So, I believe it's always open, and I believe I'm going to be out there preaching to them to get off their bus and tell them why we are stuck in this situation. I believe the single decision of the rescinding of the fairness doctrine has brought you the vitriol you feel in America today because there's only been one thing that can happen. People can spew crap, and there can be no debate on facts. And that has destroyed the fabric of America, my opinion. I... Definitely agree that it has been a big part of it. Uh, I don't know that it, I would go as far as to say it's the cause, but it is definitely a huge part because there is no place to really debate. Um, there are, I actually have a friend down in, down in Florida who is working very hard to create that place. He's got his own you know, Facebook group and, and his yeah. own website. He's trying to create a TV channel that is all about equitable debate. But he's having a hard time because nobody really wants to debate. Everybody just wants to argue and point fingers. Yeah, and I got that. And Peter, I got to tell you something. Um, you know, I don't know anything about you, but when I see Liberty Lighthouse, a guy like me goes, uh-oh. So, you know, 10 minutes before the broadcast, I started thinking, why do I want to go on with a guy who could sit there and just do what Rush Limbaugh does? But, you know, you've been very equitable with me, and I appreciate it very much. It's been, quite frankly, a fun conversation. But we can continue on this thing. Well, I call it Liberty Lighthouse because protecting our liberties is my main goal. I, I, I think that 
my personal beliefs. I am a small government guy, and I believe that the bigger our governments get, the smaller our rights and liberties become. But that doesn't mean that I have to scream and holler at everybody else. You don't win over the other side that way. You don't make a compassionate argument that way. You know, I have, if you go back and listen to the last six months of the show, there are times when I get get frustrated and say stupid things, but I try to remain level-headed, and I try to to have honest conversations about what what, what can we do what, as individuals. Um, I try to put forth, like I put forth in one show, what I think is the absolute perfect solution to everybody's complaints about the electoral <laughs> college. Yeah. And my goal is to try to put it forth in a bill. And so I've reached out to a couple of my lawmakers to, to have that done because I don't want to be just a yappity yap sit here talking guy. I, if I come up with an idea, I want to move on. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that gives you the freedom. It's this new internet thing that we all have the freedom to do whatever we want. And, uh, I think it's been incredible over the last few days Peter, to see all the different variations of entertainment I've seen on my Facebook page. <laughs> people, people are doing everything they can to deflect what's happening in the country right now. And it's been invigorating. I've enjoyed it. I saw you know, a, a family this morning. The woman had religious garb over her head and her son, who couldn't have been more than eight or nine, and her husband, they were all doing this dance, and it was, it was perfect. It was fun, and they had a great time. And I see my uh, people that used to work for me, uh, the mixers I used to have in my radio station, are now doing Facebook channel uh, mixers. They, a lady that won a Grammy, the first female uh, mixer I ever put on my radio station, won a Grammy recently, and she's on there mixing every day. So I just think it's wonderful. This Internet thing has really given us the opportunity to uh, create and build and grow crazy stuff, and, it, and and this thing that you're doing is kind of the same thing that I've been doing. I've got a thing I do on my Facebook page every day at 5 o'clock Mountain, where I just have one cocktail with kids, and I just sit around, and I just have a cocktail, <laughs> and I sit there and talk to the computer, and people answer me back. And yesterday, I had um, the most listened to Christian radio disc jockey in America, Frank Reed, in WK, I mean, I'm sorry, KLTY in Dallas. He was my guest. And uh, we're just sitting around talking about how to deflect and how to control your mind. And I'm not a religious person, but I believe that, that now if, if faith helps people with their fear, then so can meditation if you don't have faith. So we had a really interesting conversation, but it's this Internet thing that's allowing us to do that. So I'm, I'm, I'm having fun. Absolutely. And it sounds like your show has uh, already taken off far bigger than mine. So what's your secret? <laughs> You know what, man? I am a lucky man. I you know, when I was on the radio in, in a variety of different markets, and when it comes up that Kid Curry is going to be doing something, and people, some people, maybe 10 or 12, go, hey, let's go check that out. But uh, I, in a matter of a couple of days, I had a few hundred people checking us out. And then, you know, and now I've got a kind of a guest list. I've got some people I want to have on it. Uh, there's a, a radio programmer by the name of Bob Hamilton who, uh, you know, I did Top 40 radio, but Bob is a legend in what they call MOR, middle of the road, kind of more adult type radio. And um, I've never spoken to the man, but uh, he has been following me, and I've been following him, and I think I'm going to have him at the guest. My wife is coming on on Thursday. My wife is a 
national business consultant. She worked in real estate, and she has, for the last five or six days, been coaching what's going to happen at the end of this crisis. The business community is behind the scenes, revving up for six to eight to 12 weeks from now when America finally gets to get back to work and people get to get in line to go get their jobs back and uh, and maybe advance themselves in their careers. So there's a business community behind the scenes that is revving up, ready for America to come back to work. And, and it, it's, you know, it, it's happening. So I'm having these guests on. I'm even going to have, I've got a friend who, who, who is a paella master. I'm thinking about having the paella master. Uh, <laughs> he, he studied it in Spain for years and he happened to land in Loveland, Colorado. And last year, my birthday, I happened to find that he was going around town and doing paellas for special events. So I had him come over to my house and set up his paella station in front of my house, and I invited some friends over, and it was great. So I'm thinking about having the paella master on. So <laughs> that's what I'm doing. The whole reason is deflection and distraction from what's going on, because I have to control my stress because of MS. And right now, as I'm speaking, Peter, my legs are sticking straight out. Any bit of adrenaline just panics my body. So right now, my legs are still, I'm going to die on 90 degrees. It's me and them. So that's what adrenaline does, does to an MS. Wow. Well, uh, thank you very much for uh, reaching out beyond your your apprehensions and coming on the Liberty <laughs> Lighthouse with me. Uh, this was fun. Tell, tell my was. two or three. Well, I'm glad, and I and I hear that from most of the people that I talk with. So, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I always enjoy talking with people. Um, tell uh, you know my two or three listeners how they can find Kim the Kid Curry. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to I'm going to do my five o'clock cocktail with kids, uh, and I'm going to talk about the Liberty Lighthouse. Okay, I'll do that. But here's here's what I've got going on. I've got a website that uh, I go to to write blogs because I write now for the selection, so it's under krcurry.com, and that's my website. And there you'll find my books and my blogs and people who like to make fun of me saying things. <laughs> but it's at krcurry.com, and today I'll be on 5 o'clock Mountain, Peter, and uh, this is my first podcast interview, so you get to fill up some of my time on my Wine Cocktail with Kids show live on Facebook today. I was your first. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. I feel privileged. Thank you very much. Uh, please, folks, go out and find Kim Curry's The Death of Fairness, just published in February of 2020. Uh, I, I found it on Amazon pretty darn easily. And then I saw his other book, Come Get Me, Mother, I'm Through. Was that August that that came out? Yeah, it did. It did. And it's my memoir. You know, I because I'm a radio guy, I had to learn how to write. I, I actually, two or three years ago, I, I came out of my MS fog. It was hitting me very hard, but a medicine change and high doses of vitamin D kind of leveled me off. And so it took a couple of years for my brain to come back into focus. My doctor made me write and, and, and watch videos and things to get my brain back in focus. So, you know, I just, and, and I say that. And then my brain, I thought I forgot what I was talking about, so whatever. <laughs> uh, but so the memoir, yeah, that's the story of my 33-year radio career, going from just a little kid in Colorado where my dad got me my first job to the end result, which was uh, running Power 96 in Miami, which was the most listened to radio station in the southeast United States for about nine years because of what we were doing over there. 
And then it talks about me getting diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, my path after that, the amazing job my wife did to keep my head above water. So that's my memoir. That, that to me was like, that was my, that's how I learned how to, to write. And then the fairness doctrine, uh, the death of fairness is, is my brain coming up with a story and seeing if I can get it to make sense. So those are two education processes for me, and they're available at krcurry.com, also on uh, Audible. And uh, I actually, yeah, that was quite a thrill, Peter, when my first book made it to Audible. I thought, <gasps> now I have credibility. <laughs> there you go. I'm on, well, I'm on Audible. You did better than me. You actually, you know, bothered to learn how to write. I just uh, <laughs> scribbled everything down that came to my head as I was – Felt like I was ranting like a cranky old man, and and sometimes my beautiful wife would say, "You're ranting like a cranky old man." <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny, you know, as I as, as I've been going over the last couple of years, every week I get my my return with my red pencil marks on it, like I was in high school, you know. Ah, this yeah. Is this is wrong. This is wrong. I still hire my my writing coach is still watching me. So he doesn't want to doesn't want me to embarrass. <laughs> That's why I have. Peter, it's been a real fun time today. I really appreciate you taking the time to get to me, and, and it's been a good conversation. I really appreciate you coming to the Liberty Lighthouse with me. Kim Curry, ladies and gentlemen, find him and his books at krcurry.com. Thanks, Peter. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Yes, sir. So after that conversation with Kim the Kid Curry, I'm not so sure the return of a, a fairness doctrine is really such a bad idea. I think he made some really good points. If we put a fairness doctrine back on the broadcast airways only, then you and I would actually have a place to go to find real, honest, balanced reporting without the bias that we see on every news channel we've got available to us now. And those people who have opinion shows, well, they can still have opinion shows. They can have them on cable shows, uh, cable channels. They can have them on internet channels. They can have them in podcast form. They can have them on satellite channels. Just not over the broadcast airwaves. At least that's Kid Curry's idea. And, well, short of separating out news shows from opinion shows and having rules for new shows that we don't have for opinion shows. I don't know how else we get back to fair, balanced reporting. Do you? If you've got an idea, I'd love to hear it. Call me or text me at 64MyRights. Or go to liberty-lighthouse.com. Go to the forums page. Type it in there. I want to be able to tell news from opinion, fact from fiction, without having to go to four or five different channels and see everybody's different version of it and then try to guess where the truth really lies. Come back to the Liberty Lighthouse next Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Hope to catch you there. Until next week, protect your liberties. Once they're gone, there's no getting them back. God bless America. Thanks for listening to the Liberty Lighthouse podcast. Be sure to sign up at liberty-lighthouse.com to download Peter's free ebook from the file share page 
And don't forget to call 64 My Rights to leave comments for the show. That's 646 974 4487. If you enjoyed this podcast, tell a friend about Liberty Lighthouse. And wherever you listen, subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated.